until I'm walking on streets of gold and I think about all those that are gone on. They're just waiting on us. Then we all going to have a meeting. You're talking about a youth banquet that will never end. Everybody be the same age. Nobody have to worry about going home. Nobody have to worry about going to work tomorrow. Boy, I should get a praise of the Lord out of that one. Amen. But heavenly gates are near. It won't be long. Nothing can hold me here. I'm headed home. Amen. This is not our home. We're just passing through. Just passing. This is just a microcosm of what our of what our life is going to be when we get past this. But we got to stay in this one for a little while. We got to manifest God in this one, and then we're going to go to that one. Amen. Actually, it's going to come here. We know that. So uh, let's remember all these requests. Uh, Sister Janet just uh, sent me a text a minute ago to remember, especially Brother Howell. Uh, he's um, uh, they're, having, they're having to strap him down, and um, he's been hollering and all. And they, we just need the Lord to uh, to come in that room and smooth everything down. Amen. Uh, don't want the devil to have no place. All right. <clears throat> so we'll remember that when we when we sing when we uh, pray. So remember, Brother Bob will be speaking Wednesday night, December the third. No Bible study. December the fourth, we'll have one service. Sunday school. Y'all will give all your gifts here, and then we'll go down there to have the meal and the other gift giving from the church uh, at Hidden Acres there in Gillsville. And then on December the 10th, there'll be prayer meeting here at 7 o'clock until whenever. And December the 25th, there'll be no service. Uh, that will be Christmas Day. Then on December the 30th, there'll be a 7 o'clock service on Friday night. And on December the 31st will be our normal 8 o'clock um, Watch night service. Brother Wayne Lawson will be doing both services for us. And, yes, we need to bring some finger food. Uh, we can have before and after. That way you don't have to go get something. Thank you, Anna. Appreciate that. Left that out. So that's not going to be Friday night now. That will be Saturday night. The normal Saturday, just just normal Saturday. We're going to have a Friday night service. But normal watch night service. Y'all been here. We've, we've never not had a watch night service. Since 1971, as far as I know, there's not been one year that we haven't had a, a watch night service. So so um, if you've been to them before, you know what it is. Bring some finger food, some light sandwiches or something to eat, and we'll eat a little bit before. And then we will eat afterwards, let the crazy people and the drunks get home. And uh, then we'll have a uh, ring in the new year with communion. And we sure do appreciate the Lord for giving us uh, so far another year we got another month left but it won't be it'll be gone pretty quick so also remember february 11th our valentine's banquet for all you couples just remember that we're going to be doing something a little bit special uh, than we have before so just keep that in prayer but we will have a catered meal there and also a catered meal will be next sunday down at the uh, down at hidden acre so just keep these things keep all the sick sister julie with covid and brother Howell. we're going to remember them and all the ones that are not here uh, I hate it when there's people are not here because of being sick. Uh, it's just sickness is to me is sickness is sickening. It's just something I don't I don't appreciate the devil. It's just him. It ain't God. Now God will allow it to come on you. But if you're a son and daughter of God, it'll drive you to him. It won't drive you away from him. All right. 
<clears throat> so we want to thank Brother Richard and them in the back, too, running with a thin crew to keep this thing going so that we can, uh, so the ones that can stay ho- that do stay home can receive the services. So let's just keep them in prayer. Let's, let's bow our heads. Dear Lord, thank you for this day that you give us. Thank you for the spirit that you give us, Lord. The Holy Spirit of God. We're talking about today, Lord, that it just burnt the old us, totally annihilated the old self and became new so we could walk in newness of life. See things differently. Lord, listen different. Look different. Act different. Lord, think different. Father, I thank you for the Holy Ghost to give us that, Lord, that we're not like the world. The world's crazy. They think we're crazy, but the world is totally insane with the things that they're doing, Lord. I pray that you give us protection now, Lord, from all these. uh, Looks like COVID, this part of it's coming back. But, Lord, we know one thing's for sure. You're greater than anything that the devil can put out. And, Father, we pray that you'll be with Brother Hal Thomas, Lord, today at this moment, that you would calm him down, Lord. Let the sweet salve of the Holy Spirit just cover him, Lord. And calm him down and let him rest, Lord, so his body can heal. And, Lord, let him rest so that Sister Janet and the different ones of the family can rest too, Lord. We pray that we know there's always a, a family involved in any of these requests, and we pray for that family too, Lord. All the ones that are going through all the different things, Lord, we pray that you'd just be with them. Be with Sister Julie and all the ones on the prayer list, Father. We pray that you'd bless them, Lord. Be with the foreign mission fields, Lord. Be with the ones that are that are laboring, Lord, to bring home souls. We pray that you'd be with them, Father. Forgive us of our sins and bless us in Jesus' name. Amen. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, that's what we got to get to, the Son of Man. The Word was made flesh. Brother Brown said, the Word becoming flesh, the flesh becoming Word. So that's what we're trying to get it back together. It got separated in the garden. There was enmity. There was a division between God and man. And it became the carnal mind because the Bible says carnal mind is enmity to God. So what we're trying to do is, is what? Transform by the renewing of your mind. Take that carnal mind out and put the mind of God in. All right. So let's read Luke 6, verse 19. This will get to this one. I hope we get to this one virtue called virtue. And the whole multitude sought to touch him. For there went virtue out of him and healed them all. You may be seated, Lord, that is blessing to the reading of the word. Virtue went out of him to heal them all. What a power. Amen. You know, you, you talk, you watch Brother Brown's meetings, and I know in Jesus' meetings there was no way that you could record everything because even John, right at the end of John, the book of John, John says there's no volume that could write what happened during the time of Jesus. We just got a little snippet of it or a little or a little highlight of those three and a half years of Jesus' ministry. We just got a highlight, but we know that there was more done than what was written in the book. The same way now, but see, we had now a prophet in the end time that they could record. I like what Brother Brown said the first time in 1947. He's, he said, they're trying some, one of these new things or this new thing is being, and it was a wire recording. They started recording. And and you know what? That developed, I'm sorry, but it developed in the war in 1945 and a different one. Before that, World War One, communication through the airwaves. Well, you know what that was? That was for me and you. 
That was so that a prophet could stand here and they could record his 1,100 and something sermons from 1947 to 1965 just for me and you so that we could hear and be the voice, hear the voice of the seventh angel and then become that voice. All right. So virtue went out of him and healed them all. So we know that Brother Branham had thousands upon thousands upon thousands. You would watch him in that one that we got, the 20th Century Prophet, 1950. And he always told us, but you can really see it. You can see how that, that, that whatever the people are pulling out of him, the virtue that they're pulling out of him, it just drains him dry. He never can get through a whole prayer line because why? The people are pulling it out of him. They're pulling the virtue or the strength from Brother Branham. And he would always comment on, he said, he said, if Jesus was that way and said, who touched me? And, you know, he become weak and all that. He said, what about me, a sinner saved by grace? He said, what about it happening to me? And it did. And it happens to all of us. If you've ever prayed for somebody and really the spirit of God fall on you, you, you just, you have a weak moment that you recover from it, but you have a weak moment. And, you know, then Brother Brown tells us that a sermon's about an eight-hour worth of work. So so you are pretty tired. Now, I always wondered how how that dad could do it. And, of course, his body's wearing out now. Bless his heart. But but back then, he was working 40 and 48 hours a, a week in a regular job at General Motors. Didn't have air conditioning. None of that stuff. He, had, didn't, um, he did manual labor and still would come and preach two sermons. And then Wednesday night, too, he never did have any help. I mean, he'd preach two or three months without having a visiting preacher. And, it, and uh, uh, but, but your body, it does wear your body out. But I pray that he gives us, he gets all of us, super, gives us all supernatural strength to be able to what? Make it. And we're going to make it. Somebody is going to make it to that very end. And I just believe it's us. I just believe it's going to be me and you. I believe that we have enough of the power of God now. If Brother Brown said we could create a world and go live on it, but there's a bar holding us there. Why? We can't do that because of our humanity at the moment. But that humanity's fixing to break, folks, and when it does, we're going out of here. And we're taking all the dead saints with us that all from all down through into Paul's age, we're bringing them up, and we're all going to march into glory together. All right? We're going into another dimension and it's not even going to be glory. We talk about going to glory and going to heaven. That's for a long way from now. Everybody with me? We got to go through what? Marriage supper. We got to go through a thousand years of, of millennium. And then we get to go to the future home, which is the streets of gold, which is the heavenly gates, which is the one we're looking for, which is our city. And that would be the future home. So it's way down the road. But boy, what? We got to start now. We've got to start now. We've got to start building it now in this dimension. And you say, well, we can't do it. God, listen, if God puts you in this dimension and he put the word in this dimension, he put everything in this dimension for us to get it to the next dimension, something's going to, it's going to happen. Right. Amen. We've just got to have enough what? Strength or virtue. You say, well, well, I'm just a housewife. Well, I'm just this. Brother Branham even makes it his adoption being a man putting his lunch under his, under his, under his, well, of course, then they, some of y'all that are younger don't remember that, but they used to have uh, what was the what was the name of the the what igloo? What was the name of the thermos? Hello, it was called, but it was a thermos, and and you put everything you put soup in it or you put your coffee in it, and it would go in a a box that weighed fifty five pounds because back then it wasn't no such thing as plastic. <laughs> I tell you what, I wished I had. I wished I had. I saw the other day just for your enjoyment before you go to sleep, um, is 
Mom bought us a, in 1960, probably five or six when we first started school, or I first started school, she bought me a Batman lunchbox. Probably paid about a dollar and fifty cents for it. Do you know how much them things sell on eBay now? Four and five hundred dollars. If you got an original one, and we just throw that thing everywhere. A lot of stuff we had back then, because we're considered old. Amen. Thank you. And it had a mini thermos in it, but that's what Brother Ram was talking about. When, when, but when you listen to the kids, really, when you listen, a lunchbox under his arm going to work, that literally happened. Or you'd have your little tote, you know, with the thermos on top, and, and, and you open it up, and you had sandwich. Listen, wasn't many McDonald's back then. Wasn't a, wasn't a convenience store on every corner. Come on now. You got what you got at home. If your wife didn't make it, you didn't get it. But Brother Brown talks about that, and it's so simple as being coming to adoption. It's knowing where you're at, knowing your place, and when you do go to work. There's virtue that goes to work with you, and people can say, hey, can you pray for me? Hey, when you go to church, even though they may not ever go to church today in their life, they know you do. And they can say, hey, will you pray for me? Will, will you pray for so? How many prayer requests do we get from people that don't even come to church here? Almost about half. Right? Why is that? <clears throat> it's not because they think you're a drunk. It's not because they think you're a pill. What we all call a pill popper back when we were coming up. Uh-uh. No, they think you, they know you've got some strength or at least you got a good connection. You know, <coughs> I knew dad had a good connection with God. And if I ever got in trouble, that's exactly where I went. And finally, one day I couldn't find him and I had to go to the heavenly father. Hello, somebody. You got to get to your heavenly father first. Your earthly father would do anything in the world, take a bullet for you, have his head chopped off for you, but he can't save your soul. But your heavenly father can. So that's the one you need to cry out to is your heavenly father. But it gives us enough virtue to where people can look. That even we were talking about this in Jude this morning about that we should what? Earnestly contend for the faith which is one delivered to the saints. So what we've got to do is, is when we're here looking at the statue of perfect man, we do have to. Now, it's not bad. It is bad to look back for certain ways, but it's not bad to look back to the first church age because it tells you it tells you to do that. You must earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered to the saints. So we what? We go to the book of Acts. Maybe next Sunday or so, we'll go to the book of Acts and we'll see what they acted like. That's why it's called the book of Acts, because it's the acts of the Holy Ghost in the people. So if the Holy Ghost is the same and they had the virtues working in their life, all we got to do is read the book of Acts and there's our part. There's our place to read and that's our place to get something that is the faith that was once delivered unto the saints. Which now is, and do you know why it works better there? I say better. They had no denominational idea. They had these virtues working in their life. All right, so they had these virtues working in their life, so they got something. A hundred percent of the New Testament was written back there. Under that, that faith anointing, (coughs) all the... Old Test- New Testament was written right there, right? From the book of Acts on up, Luke, Paul, different ones. You look at your books. Now, we know Matthew and them were written about Jesus, but remember, all those four Gospels were written after Jesus died or after he ascended, right? So you're looking back to that faith that was once delivered to the saints. And even they told Brother Brown one time, they said, oh, Brother Brown, you can write a 23rd chapter of Revelations. He said, that sounded good. 
He said, but it, he said, it's false. You can't add to the word. God's written everything he's going to write, and that's all he's going to write. He's not going to write anymore. That's why Brother Brown, I said Brother Brown didn't bring any new revelation or new doctrine. It was the doctrines that was already in the Bible. What had happened, man had went and put their own interpretation to it. There was no virtue left in some of those things. God's not going to honor a false doctrine. So what virtue can you get out of a false doctrine? Now, he listen, he did wink at their ignorance. He did let them and allow them to be baptized in the name of Father, Son, Holy Ghost, because that's all they knew. But not that first church. Not that first church. Not the first church. They didn't believe in eternal hell. They didn't believe in all these dogmas and doctrines that came from Nicaea from 300 years after Jesus went off the scene until 600. And those, those doctrines were established. And they're still there. It's just, it's just pitiful to see that, that the denominational world looks at the mother whore and, and knows she's the whore. They know Rome's the whore. But they don't read that she had daughters. She's got daughters that drink of the same cup that she drinks of. That's how it's so close to the deceived of very last. So God had to send us a prophet to pull us out from under that. Come out of her, my people. All right? Come out of those ideas and those doctrines, those Trinitarian ideas, which Brother Brown said came from the pits of hell. Any false doctrine. You can have somebody come up here and preach their heart out. And if it's a false doctrine, it did not come from God. It came from hell. It came from a demon that got a hold of you now and not saying nothing about the brother or sister. You can get a demon on you and be born again. Come on, somebody. If you don't believe that, you got one on you now. I got you quiet there, didn't I? But anything contrary to the word of God is the devil. And it's false. All right? But God winked at their ignorance. He winked at man pushing their doctrine. But he said, I'm going to have a people in the end time that's going to what? Malachi 4. Restore the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children to the fathers. So he took the what? Babbling Pentecostal babies and brought the faith of the fathers back, which was what? Uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, um, Paul, Irenaeus, all those, all those ones back there that didn't have doctrinal issues. Boy, it'd be nice, wouldn't it, Bob? It'd be nice to be back there and be the first church age, and you go to somebody's church, and you preach, and they're all, you know, amen, and then you go to the next church, and it's all amen. You go to the next church, it's all amen. Now you can go to a church, and you preach a little doctrine, a little something extra, and you won't get an old man. You'll get a right foot of fellowship out the door. But that didn't happen in the first church age. Why did it happen? It happened because they got an idea. Serentius got an idea during Irenaeus' time that what? That Jesus wasn't exactly God. All right? Bob's read it many times. Where Serentius would say, well, he's kind of a light substance of God. Well, see, that was a seed in Irenaeus' day. But if you'll look in Irenaeus' day... You come up to 300, that thing just went right over into Nicaea. Serentius may have never been to Nicaea. He may have died before that happened. But remember, demons don't die. They just go right over into somebody else, which goes right over into somebody else, which went right over to Nicaea. And what? Satan loves numbers. He gathered them all together and said, this is what we're going to do. All right. I don't know how I got off on that, but that's okay. But that's what we got to be restored back to, though, that faith. Because there's no virtue. 
in Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Come on, people. There's no virtue in that. There's no virtue in a false doctrine. Can't be. So to, to begin with, right here to get-go, the virtue that we have to have has to be proven word-based virtue, not word Sometimes word-based virtue. It's got to be word-based virtue to get the dunamis. Dunamis is Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost power. And that's what we're looking at here. I want us to get this right here down pat. Then when we get this pat, we're going to have a church that's got adopted sons and daughters of God. We're not going to be what? We're not going to be immune from everything, but I promise you, we'll know more how to handle it. We'll know more how to... What? Defeat the devil. That's what I'm looking for. You can look for that if you want to. That's why I want people baptized. I want people with the Holy Ghost. I want us to have prayer meetings. I want us to have things to where we can get people involved in God, not involved in the church. Involved in God. And God will drive you here. You get involved with God, he'll put you here. Amen? Everybody all right with that? Greatest battle ever fought. I believe the greatest battle that ever fought is now ready to go into action. I believe that God has been selecting his soldiers, and he's been dressing them, training them. The battlefront is now set, getting ready to start. Getting ready to start, 1962. Because the greatest battle, because look, let me put it this way. Brother Brandon was preaching in a, in a time frame. Uh, hear me out just a second. He, he was preaching in a time frame or a dispensation. Now, he believed in dispensations, right? He was trying to take those old Pentecost, which were babbling babies. All they thought about was speaking in tongues and, and carrying on in church. And he was trying to feed them the word. He was trying to bring them over and bring them into what? The word of God, pure and unadulterated. Everybody with me? But they wanted to either stay there or bring their ideas with them. All right? Because he was preaching. When he preached, he didn't preach the message believers, folks. Most people didn't want to even see his message. They wanted to see the signs and wonders afterwards. I'm just telling you what some said that's been in the meeting. Wanted him to hurry up and get finished with the message so he could, what? That was the old Pentecostal way. I got to see some signs and wonders. But see, because when Brother Brown then, though, when he did go back and pick up that faith and pick up that message and start bringing it, that's when he said himself, he said, hundreds will leave me, thousands will leave me. Preach marriage and divorce, he said, my friends are going to leave me by droves, in other words. Hundreds of people are going to leave, and they did. From preaching to 50,000 to preaching to 25 or 30 in a trailer out in Arizona. And preach some good messages too. Preach the rapture message out there. But God's going to get the message out. They're not going to hinder it. Man's not going to hinder it. The devil's not going to hinder it. And me and you are not going to hinder it. We can sit there, sire, push face all we want to. God is going to move on. All right? And you know what? If we don't move with him, as they say in the movies, sayonara. Because it's your choice. We go back to your choice to follow him or not. All right? But this thing's got to be quickened inside of our heart. That's why I wanted to lay that foundation for for months now, trying to get us right there equipped for this battle because it's going to be a battle. It has already begun in most of our lives. 
It is a battle. I know it's a battle to get to church. I know it's a battle to do things for God. You know why? Because it's a battle for me. But you know, as the old man said one time, he said, well, he said, I, uh, I stayed out kind of late Saturday night at doing whatever, going to ball game or something, you know. And he said, well, well, you know, I, I prayed and, and, and I think I'll just come, you know, I'll just skip this weekend and, 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 uh, and I'll just, uh, I, I don't think the Lord will bother that, you know, like, no. Go back to the will of God. The will of God is the word of God. Now, I want to ask you a question. Whatever you do in your life outside of here is your business. Well, not exactly. But if you get doing wrong stuff, it is going to be our business. Okay? If we start hearing back. But you understand what I'm saying? If you like to do, I like to hunt. So I'm not going to squash you if you don't hunt and you don't squash me if I do. But I'll promise you one thing. If I was a coon hunter and I got out on Saturday night and I coon hunted till 3 o'clock in the morning, that's no excuse for me not to be in church on Sunday. I have made my own excuse. Yeah, but I was with brothers. Well, they, they you don't ever sin alone. <laughs> But you understand what I'm saying? So, and the same thing with, with what we do as, as Christians. We, we, we should prepare ourselves for God first. All right? We should make sure on Saturday night that our car is full of gas. I'll promise you, if you're going to the doctor tomorrow morning, you're going to stop by before you go home and make sure you got enough gas in your car and everybody's shaking their head. I see you. Yeah, because you know that you're not going to get up. You're not going to get up in time to go anyway, but so to get the gas. So you're going to get it tonight. Well, same way with with church. What are you saying? This is what I'm talking about. Virtue. Virtue is strength. Strength is what we get from the things we do. I've got to believe, though, Michael. I've got to believe, though, that when I do those things, I do make sure that I prepared. I do make sure that I maybe get a good night's rest. Somebody sometimes you always don't get a good night's rest on Saturday night. Okay, but you got, at least you're not going to be out at three o'clock in the morning, you know, coon hunting or whatever you're doing, and then you're going to sleep halfway through ch- to, through church. That's virtue. You decide what virtue is because you put the strength in it. Think about this with me for a minute. You put the strength in it. When I was a sinner. I put my strength and my virtue in ball games and in whatever, something in the sports realm or something hunting. Or and I used to hunt. I'd hunt on Saturday, hunt on Sunday, so I didn't have to come to church. I'm just being honest. I'd do things on Sunday. I'd schedule things on Sunday so my mama wouldn't have to call and say, you coming to church tomorrow? Oh, Mom, I'm going to be hunting. I'm sorry about that. But see, that, but I, I drew strength from that. That thing that it was inside of me was drawing strength from that. Now, I'm not saying it was good. But now that I believe I've got God inside of me, that virtue now is all that is totally secondary. This is first. So the virtue and strength I've taken from out there, I put here. And that, to me, that's the most simple thing, but it's the hardest thing we can ever do. It's put your trust in something you can't see. 
something that's so powerful. But you know what that woman did? We'll read it in just a little while. You know the story. She saw Jesus. She never probably went to a sermon. But she heard that he had strength. She heard maybe two days ago she had been to the gate. And there was a blind man called Bartimaeus. And man, she saw him walking around the temple, not blind. So she put strength in that. And somebody says, Jesus is going to come through this way Sunday morning at 10 and at 2, Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. We know where God's going to be. So what did she do? She didn't go to Walmart. She didn't schedule her a trip somewhere else. She made sure she was right there. And when she when he walked by, there were so many people, but like I said before, she was unclean. There was nothing that she could sit on that was clean. She was unclean, and they just got out of her way because she was an unclean woman, had been for 12 years, so they knew who she was. And she just crawled right up there, and all she'd done was just touch the garment. And what did Jesus say? Who touched me? Wow. Somebody quit for the battle. You say, well, we're not Jesus. You got that same guy. That same guy that got weak. Come on, somebody. Is inside of you today. Not another person, not a lesser person. That same person is inside of you. In your human flesh. That was God in human flesh. And when she touched the garment... She was healed. That's why when they went to the gate beautiful and then they, they were, um, they took uh, cloths off of Paul and put them on people, that was virtue. That was, that was Paul, the apostle. We've seen the healing. We've seen these. Why, Brother Brown? That's why he could stand and make this statement that I've been telling you forever and ever, the right mental attitude toward any promise of God will bring it to pass. Peter said, look on us. Don't look over there. Don't look down at you. In other words, he said, don't look down at your situation. Don't look down and see all the world and what they're laughing and, and you know, we're, we're, they're hunting us anyway. You know, they want to lock us up. Everywhere they went, they want to lock them up. Right? Don't look anywhere else. He said, look at us. And then the guy, the, you know what? The guy did what they said. And when he looked on them, guess what? He got healed. And virtue had went out of him, and it never said that he touched them. Silver and gold have I none. Now, remember, they did pick him up and help him get his strength back. But there were certain times when you don't, listen, you don't have to touch. You touch the feeling of your infirmities. God does that, what? Supernaturally. Where they don't have to be a connection. That's why we can pray for Brother Howell 20 miles or 15 miles from here and know that God's going to that situation. All right? <clears throat> and, and like I said before, one more time, Sister Janet, she didn't, she didn't call the local convenience store. Hey, pray for my dad. Why? There was no virtue. Now, there's virtue to the drunk. He wants to go to that convenience store. He knows he's going to get his strength from that convenience store. He's going to buy him a lottery ticket, smoke him a vape, and buy him some booze. That's his strength. 
No. Sister Janet sent a text. She said, could y'all have a special prayer? So guess what? The virtue and strength that we have went to that. And we're going to expect that it does what it's supposed to do. Amen. So God has equipped us then for the battle. Here's Paul. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. You know, I was thinking the other day, what an effort. You know, it, doesn't, it takes us an effort to get to church is what I was just saying. All right? And we're whole and we're, we've got good cars and we've got uh, full stomachs and, and we come in here and Michael got some nice cut suits on. And uh, who said, uh-huh? Yeah, uh-huh. you noticed that too. It'll get you somewhere. But we see all that, but... But think about somebody that just has to believe. Somebody in a foreign country who can't do that. Who can't get in a car. Who has to walk to church for 10 miles. Are those people to get in Brother Brown's meetings? Are the people to get in Jesus' meeting? Them two friends really love that guy. They tore a roof off of a house. And dropped that man right down in front of Jesus. Two friends did it because he couldn't do it. Wow. Have we ever done that before to get somebody to be healed or get somebody to come to church? No, if we can't get the door open, sometimes we don't come. Can't get the air conditioner to work right. I mean, honestly, how many of y'all would come to church if it was 95 degrees in here all the time? Don't raise your hand. I know some of you wouldn't. Casting down imagination and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God. That's why Brother Brown could stand. He said, the right mental attitude. In other words, folks, y'all have done the right thing. You have come to the right place. You have come in ambulances. You have come in stretchers. People have had to brought you in here. Remember that one girl that she was bleeding so bad until he had to go out to the to the um, car, said she's bleeding to death. But guess what? That woman's living. Well, she might be now, but she was living back then. Why? Because she, she knew where the virtue was at. She knew where that, that pipeline was. And that's what you and I, in virtue, we've got to not not see uh, seen things. It's unseen. There's no way you could put Jesus out in a crowd and say, oh, that man's got virtue. It had to be something supernatural. But what did it have to do? And I'm going to read something to you in just a few minutes or maybe a little bit. There had to be something known about him before that. Everybody with me? There had to be something known beforehand. Because we're going to read here in the book of Ruth where, where Boaz says, the whole community knows thou art a virtuous woman. The whole community. Wow. Knows thou art a virtuous woman. We'll read it in just a minute. Look, and having readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Like I said before, it's an effort. But wow, what kind of a, uh, what are you going to get? You're going to get eternal life, but you're going to get, you say, well, brother, Wade, you, you're, you're, you're preaching the power of positive thinking. I hope so. If it's mixed with faith, if it's mixed with the Holy Ghost, you're going to be a powerful army. You're going to be somebody undefeatable. You're going to be somebody that, like Brother Brown said, Satan don't even know what to do with you. You know what? I hope he gets so frustrated he don't know what to do with us. 
I hope he, I hope he gets so mad. I do. Till he tries to do something to the bride. And God's going to say, no, not that group. You may can get to that group, but you're not getting to that group. But you got to make sure you're in that group. We can't just say we're bride. No, you got to fight on your hands. You got to fight to get here. According as his divine power, we read that this morning. Let's, and besides this, besides your new birth, besides you um, hollering and screaming at the, at the altar for God to save your soul, and he does, and he fills you with the Holy Ghost, he burns all that old part of you out, you still got to add. Add to your faith. I mean, why did you come to church to get saved? I know some may not have, but well, I did. This is where strength is. This is where the virtue is. Right here. Not somewhere else. I know you can kneel down in, at a convenience store, and if somebody's got the Holy Ghost, they can pray for you. But there ain't a whole lot of many, well, there ain't many Holy Ghost-filled people hanging around a convenience store all the time. Usually it's the other ghost people that hangs around a convenience store every once in a while. But when we start talking about virtue, you've got to know where it's at. And then you've got to know who's got it. And you can draw from it. We can draw virtue from the word of God. But folks, let me tell you something. Brother Brown tells us, he said, the seed life comes through the body. Paul. Oh, I'm sorry. Saul. Saul had every one of these Old Testament books. Now, not the new, but you understand the whole Old Testament. The Torah. Paul was so versed in those. He knew everything he said. As according to the law blameless so why didn't god just save him on the road to damascus nope he sent him into town he said you go find or in the words you go sit there and i'm gonna find somebody and nice i'm gonna find somebody that the seed life is already quickened in his body he's already filled with the holy ghost to pray for you to get the holy ghost so that's why the seed life comes through the body as a body of believers, you have to go from one to the other. It's a chain reaction. Everybody with me on that? That's what Paul had to do. He was versed. He knew every one of these scriptures. You can know this. One more time. You can know this whole message up one side down the other. If you can't live the life, you're, I'm sorry. <clears throat> add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge. And that add is minister nourishment. See, you, Brother Brown talks about being a Christian, and, and then Jesus talks about the tares and all the different things, you know, about some of them, you know, they get put in stony ground, and some of them get in some kind of ground and some kind of the other ground, some in good ground. Well, they grow up to a certain spot, and then they can't make it any further. And even the Bible says the cares of life. The cares of life. And maybe sometimes our family gets in the way. I hope somebody said, oh, yeah, because everybody, boy, you start talking about people's family, and they go. Not my kids. Not my wife. If your wife ain't in church and ain't full of the Holy Ghost, she's lost. Kids either. You either. Me either. It's time to tell it like it is. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed. I'm 
not ashamed to preach now. I used to I used to think, man, I'd be ashamed for a certain preacher. I'm not now. I'm not. So, and, and daddy's watching them. He knows. Sometimes I sit there and go, man. It's like Brother Claude said. He said, I just knew there was heads going to be hitting the floor and I could hear them. You know, cutting your head off. But don't be ashamed for that. That's what we were given a place in here to do. We were given a place in here to cut you, and you never know it. Until you look down and you're bleeding. And then when you go outside, you go, oh, okay. Okay, that was me he was talking about. Right? Don't you have ever done that before? Yes, sir, I have, and you have too. You get cut, and it's like, oh, man. Oh, that was me. But that, look. That needeth not be ashamed. I'm not ashamed of this gospel. I'm not ashamed of the of the message of the hour. I'm not ashamed of living this life that I'm living. Are you? If you're ashamed of living the life you're living, then change. Get in the word of God. Get born again. A workman that needeth not be ashamed. Look, rightly dividing the word of truth. You say, man, you're not supposed to divide the word up. No, you're not. But why does the Bible tell us that it's a two-edged sword? Cutting asunder, what's it doing? It's cutting that little stuff off. You know, the other day when I was skinning my deer, you know, you, you get this great big glob of hair. And you're cutting, you're skinning the deer. You got a big old knife. When you get to deboning it, you get a smaller knife because you got to work a lot more tedious to get all the bones out of it. Well, you're still rightly dividing the deer. It's just the deer, you're, and you're cutting it up in smaller pieces. And that's what you and I, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Because listen, sometimes the word will choke you. Sometimes the word will choke you. And you don't want to do that. You don't want to choke people. You don't want to, as Brother Dick said, you don't want to bruise fruit. But sometimes you do. But you want to rightly divide the word of truth and say, okay, Lord, I'm going to preach to this group of people today. You divide it in how it needs to be divided. Because, you know, you go, you go preach, Brother Bob, different ones, Brother Luis and them, they're getting ready to go overseas. But they've never preached in these pulpits before. But you want God to rightly divide even if it's in another language and they're a thousand miles away, God can still be working on both ends. I love that about God. I love that about the Holy Ghost. I love that about the way God operates. That he'll absolutely send you somebody and, and you'll swear that that pastor has took him in the study and told him your whole life. Right? See, folks, that's why I... And, you know, some people... When you do that to some that don't have that don't have the Holy Ghost or they're or they're real um, soft Christians, it hurts their feelings and they leave for a little while. But don't ever leave. If you're a child of God, it was a spanking you needed. It was a spanking I needed, and it hurt. Hurt my real feelings, but it was because I was a child. My daddy corrected me because I was his child. And boy, y'all are real lucky, you guys that are kids now, because when I was growing up, every parent was my mom and daddy. Hello, somebody. What now this? You leave my little baby alone. No, my daddy said if he needs it, tear him up. I'll tear him up when he gets home. And I'll promise you, do y'all know anything about whippings in church, I mean, in, in school? 
Oh, some of the other ones. Well, the other ones don't. If I got a whipping in school, I got a whipping at home. And if I didn't tell him, of course, I think I only got one. Terrence and him tell me about all of them. And I got a whole bunch. So, <clears throat> one. I, I got one, too. And Mr. White, whew, he tore me up. Goodness gracious. See, I still remember that. And I didn't do whatever that was that I got in trouble for. But my brother, bless his heart, they wore him out. So, anyway, he's watching in and he's laughing, which is good. Maybe they need to laugh right now. They're not feeling very well. But that's the way it worked around my house. I knew if I got a whipping somewhere else or if, if I was at Granny's house, Granny, boy, you don't whip your grandkids, that's for sure. No, it wasn't my Granny. My Granny had a broom. Didn't she? My Granny had a broom. And she knew how to use it at a long distance. She's 88 years old. She can't, I mean, she could get up pretty quick. But she'd be sitting there and you'd be doing something and you're like, I can beat her out the door. No, you can't. Because here comes the broom. Wow. Why am I telling you this? I'm telling you these stories because I respected my granny because of the virtue that she had. She wasn't going to let you get by with nonsense. My dad and mom wasn't going to let me get by with nonsense. So how is our Heavenly Father going to let us get by with nonsense? He's not. He's going to whip us. And he's going to whip us. He's not going to beat us. He's going to whip us with nail-scarred hands. But you know what? We can be a rebellious child and just keep doing it over and over again. Or we can say, hey, I, I'm done with that. I don't think I'm going to do that anymore because it's the same result. Isn't that what, what is it? What's uh, insanity? Doing the same thing over and over, expecting the different results? Some of us need to work on that. I said me. But these virtues, look, what it's moral excellence. It's going to, listen, this is going to make you a better person going up these, this statue of perfect man and asking God, not only in your Christian life, but in your newly married life. And, and let me give this as a side note, as a hashtag. Lily didn't break his arm. No, he did that on his, his own. He was a little bit roofed. And, um, so it's not they had a fight. I told her, I said, listen, when y'all have a fight when you're newlyweds, you need to put the mark where nobody can see it. Right, darling? Not on your hand. Not where somebody can you hold it and go, oh, my word. So anyway, it's going to make your life better. Listen, how many times have you seen that? I've seen people out in the world, like Brother Brown said, that had some of these virtues that, that were just ranked sinners. I, I saw a, a man and a woman not too long ago in the paper that I'd known from years and years and years ago. And I think it was a picture of them together. And they were, I knew they weren't Christians, but they just loved each other. And they were like in their 80s, and, and he would help her, and she would help him. That's good. But we're looking for a life past that. We're looking, and we can draw virtue from that. I can draw virtue. My dad, my father-in-law is a good businessman. And I can draw virtue from some of the things that he tells me. But now as far as being a Christian, he's never been one. So I'm not going to sit there and listen to him tell me about how to get saved. Why would you do that? He don't even know how to do it himself. But if somebody's got saved, if somebody studied like Brother Dale for 40, 50 years, listen to them. They got something for you. There's little, there's little tidbits of things. I'm just going to talk about life today. There's just little tidbits of things. Even Sister Cleta and different one and, and Sister Trudy will throw out there. And sometimes you don't understand them because they're way ahead of me in, in years too. But, but you go, man, 
Wisdom. Wow. Right? And that's where I want to go. I call my, hey, I need some help. Call Brother Dale, I need some help. Call somebody with some wisdom, I need some help. But that's moral excellence, value, merit, meritousness, worth. Specifically moral excellence, integrity. Now that would be, as the world talks about virtue, as far as, and I don't, listen, don't get me wrong. Brother Branham said that, that this virtue is not talking about being a virgin. Is everybody with me? But it does have something to do with it. Some. I'm not, I'm not against Brother Branham. Don't put that anywhere. I'm just saying he's making a point. He's separating it from what the world sees to what God sees. But I can take that virtuous woman I'm going to talk about over here in, in um, Psalms or in... in um, Proverbs, and bring it right back to me and you. A virtuous woman. Let's be plain a minute. If you knew a, if you knew a girl, and we always, I'm sorry, let's say boy. We always talk about the girls. Let's talk about the guys. If you had this guy that was just a, uh, lived, as Brother Claude said, a hound dog life, you knew all he wanted was to do one thing. Would you let your daughter go out with him? Why? He's a nice-looking guy. Why? You knew his background. You knew what somebody said that somebody said that somebody said. Amen? What kind of virtue is in that? That's not moral excellence. That's immorality. So you look at that. Even in your life, we look and see to not let those things happen. Please pray. Because you know what? Honestly, we do. We, we, we beat the girls up about being loose and promiscuous. It takes the dude first. Okay? Everybody with me? Somebody out here takes the dude first. The guy. The man. Okay? So let's just don't give it all to one side. Like Daddy said, we call a woman a slut or a whore. And then if the guy she's with puts on a suit and goes to church on Sunday, we call him a deacon. That ain't right. No, that ain't right. Takes two. So virtue. It's going to change our thinking. Because I'm going to skip through this and not be so long today. Let me skip through this because we've already, we've already seen all these. Talk about the heart. We talked about the heart this morning. Remember, the heart is your soul. That's not this thing beating right here. It's your soul. It's who you are. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And listen, from your heart, you're believing this doctrine today. You have obeyed from your heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. God delivered a prophet to us that delivered a message to us that has what? It has virtue in it. Man, if you don't draw strength out of this message, you're not in the message. The real one. Man, what kind of strength and power does this does this message have? What drawing power does it have? But it's not drawing power to the whole world. Somebody's going to find something wrong with it. But if you have obeyed from your heart that form of doctrine, we all have a doctrine. We all are under a doctrine. Brother Brown said if the church don't have a doctrine, they're not a church. So we have a doctrine. It's the message of the hour. The truth of the message of the hour. Everybody with me? So from our heart, we believe that. 
See, that's what draws me here, not family. Not you. I like fellowshipping with y'all. But I come here because of the form of doctrine which I am obeying from my soul is to get here. That's why Brother Brown says you can't wait till those doors open to get here. Why? Because it's drawing. It's a draw. If you don't have that draw and that passion in your heart, you're lost. Sorry. I'm sorry, but that's the truth. Because if Brother Ram said that, we must believe it. So you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Now, we have been delivered that doctrine. Everybody with me? All right? And we see that there is virtue in it. Right? There's virtue in this doctrine. We're going to skip a bunch of this because we've got about right here this morning. We believe in this doctrine. I rest my soul on Malachi 4. That's what Brother Wither Ross always said. And we do rest our soul in this message of the hour. Listen, if this is not right, we're all lost. We're all absolutely the most deceived people in the world if this is not the right message. But they're deceived if this is the right message. If this is the right message, and that's what we're putting our faith on. And I'm not putting my faith on William Branham. I'm putting my faith on he brought me. God himself. Not a second person, not a third person, but the person of God. He brought me to have a personal relationship with God. So that I can draw virtue from that. That we Listen, God met William Branham on a platform. I'm just going to preach a minute. He met William Branham on a platform all the time in the form of... Of the Holy Ghost. In the form of a light. Brother Brown said he's no more than three feet from where I'm standing. He. He didn't say it. He said he. Where is that God of Elijah? It's right here at the platform. No more than three feet from where I'm standing. Well, I don't see it. None of them other people saw it either. He said, can't you see that light over that woman? And they're all going, no. Why? It wasn't time for them. I think it's time for me and you to start seeing that light. To see that pillar of fire and have it work. Not just stay out there, though. I wanted to go in here. But that was the conduit that God used to move Brother Brown. And it's an experience I've never experienced. But where the Brother Brandon would say something, and he said, my lips will go numb. And I won't know what I said. There's a lot of people, a lot of psychologists to tell you that's not good, that you don't know what you're saying. But he put so much dependent on that being God and him never lying and never not telling the truth. He had so much confidence, he said, hey, use me. Use me. Though it makes me weak. Though it makes me where I don't understand sometimes. Brother Ram said the other day, a while back, he said, I had to go back and listen to the tape again to see what I said. He had to go back and listen to the tape. 
to see what he said. He had so removed self out of the way. But did you did when we were looking at that at that video? Did you see some little you know little ghost thing go over here to the side? No. It all happened on the inside. It happened in his heart, in his soul. He just for one second moved himself out of the way and let, he even let God have his memory, reason, conscience, affection, imagination. It can happen again. It's going to have to happen for us to go up the statue of perfect man. It's going to have to happen for us to have power with character. We believe Brother Branham had power with character, don't you? Where is that God of Elijah then? We're like Elisha, aren't we Elisha? Brother Brown said, we type Elisha? He took that mantle and he smote that water and he said, where be the God of Elijah? Well, he was in Elisha. So he's in me and you. God of this evil age, 1965. Brother Brown said, the outside man is a physical being which is controlled by, he said, six senses or five rather. The inside man is a spirit man, which is controlled by five senses. Conscious love, talk about memory, reason, conscious affection, imagination. Outside, see, taste, feel, smell, and hear. But the inside of that spirit is a soul. Everybody with me? And it's controlled by one thing. You read it? Your free will. Your free will. You see, I believe Brother Branham... He knew he was a prophet. He had to know all the supernatural things. But he he was so humble, he wasn't going to say anything about it. Well, I'm a prophet of this end time, bless God, and you got to hear me. No, God wouldn't have used somebody like that. He used somebody that was so humble that he just let it, and may I say, he just let it ooze out. And we caught it. We caught the scent of that, we're going to talk about it in just a minute, Mr. Reverend Mr. Lilly, or Reverend Mr. Flower. You don't have to go out there to Rosebush and say, Hey, I want you to smell like a rose when you you know when you blossom out. No. I don't have to go out there and tell the okra plant, hey, you better give me some okra. No, if you'll do the right thing, you'll get okra. Because that's what you planted. So here, Brother Branham is he has put all of his will onto God. And he says, Use me. It scares some people to death. To have God use them. Because that's a strange thing. Think about that. I'm glad you're quiet. You can accept what the devil says. Or you can accept what God says. And look. And that will determine. What spirit is in there. If it's the spirit of God. It will feed on the things of God. It won't feed on anything. Of the world. We talked about memories and conscious affection and imagination. We know that this will affect our senses. This will affect memory, reason, conscious affection, and imagination. Everybody with me? This will change you. You say, oh, I've been changed. Yeah, you've been changed by the new birth. But Peter said, add. Peter said, add to that change. Uh, come up a little higher where God can use you more. Y'all look at me crazy sometimes when I look outside and I see a, uh, I drive down the road and I see an animal laying dead on the side of the road that somebody run over. I caused that. You caused that. You did. I did. Because of our carnal mind. 
But guess what? All that's groaning and waiting for it to be turned back to where Adam didn't have to look on the side of a road and see a dead possum. He didn't have to look and see a dead animal. It was all life. That's what we're going back to. Now, inside of that spirit, which you become when you're born in the earth. Now, look. Inside of that spirit, which you become when you're born in the earth, the breath of life is breathed into you. That spirit, watch this. That spirit is always eternal. That's not what it says, does it? Some of y'all that are asleep need to wake up. That spirit is of a what? Worldly nature. Because it was not given from God. You have to be careful with what he's saying. But it was given or permitted by God. Everybody with me? Because he did put eternal life in you when you were born. That proves it right there. I know I didn't have it, and I know you didn't have it. Okay? You say, well, I got these quotes. You better make them match the Bible. They better match the Bible. If they don't match the Bible, then you got it wrong. Okay? <clears throat> that spirit is of a worldly nature. Why? Carnal mind. You were born in sin, shaping in iniquity. You were born by sex. You were born by carnal nature. Everybody with me? But it did come from God. It was permitted by God. It was perfect, but not eternal. You were not born here with eternal life. There was only one guy that happened to. And that's the Lord Jesus. Even Adam had to have the eternal life put inside of him. All right? But it was permitted by God. Now watch this. Now you get that. For every child that's born in the world is born in sin, shaped in iniquity, come to the world speaking lies. That's right. So that person inside there is a sinner to begin with. Now this is 1960 and 5. This is after the seals broke. And he's still preaching salvation that you were a sinner when you were born. So that person inside there is a sinner to begin with. Now it's got five endless and then five endless. endless I don't know whether I can call them or not. But the first I know is thought conscious. He means memory, reason, conscious effects, and imagination. There's five endless to the spirit. You can't think with your body. You have to think with your spirit. You have to think with your spirit. You can't have conscious in your body this it has no mental faculties at all your body doesn't so you have to think with your spirit you have to reason you can't reason with your physical being because reason doesn't see taste feel smell or hear reason is what you can make in your mind if you're asleep or you're out, your body is lying there dead, but your spirit can still reason. He didn't mean dead by dead. He means asleep. All right. There's five senses that control that inside man. And now to the last man, he's talking about the spirit realm. He talked about the body, spirit. Now he's talking about the soul. Now to the last man, which is the soul, there's only one sense that controls that. And that is free moral agency, free will to choose or to reject. So you do have something to do with this. Everybody with me on that? <clears throat> Listen to what Brother Brown says. He's praying a prayer. Listen. Our Heavenly Father, here lays before me a bunch of handkerchiefs. They represent poor, sick, suffering people. One of these glorious days, it's all going to be over. And we're going to come up to your house. God help us to be in the deepest of sincerity now. Bless us now, I lay hands on these handkerchiefs. 
Thou knowest there's no virtue in any man, but the virtue. He, look at the parentheses. There was no virtue in the serpent nor in the brass that it was made out of or the pole. He's talking about when God told him to put the serpent on the pole. And if you looked at that, that you were healed. That's why if you look today on physicians, doors and you look on anything to do with a with a doctor he, there's a snake running up a pole that's exactly why because there's healing in that there's not healing in that it was what but the virtue was doing what god said to the virtue was that they believed in moses they listen what did they say they said moses we don't want to talk to god you go talk to god and whatever he tells you you tell us and we'll do it now, we know they didn't always do that, but what did they do? They put enough, had enough um, confidence in Moses to where when Moses walked up one day and said, Look, y'all are dying. By the thousands, y'all are dying in this plague. God told me to put this serpent on a pole and put it out in front. And he said, If you'll look at that, you'll live. And then they started looking at it, and they all started living. They all started getting rid of their diseases. They all started getting rid of all these things. Why? It was because the virtue in that was doing what God said to do. That's why Brother Brown says full obedience, right? Full obedience to the word. In other words, brings you full adoption. It brings you to full age. It brings you to, it brings you to a place of maturity, right? Full obedience, not part. Full obedience. What God said do. And I'm going to tell you, that's just part of all of our problem. We don't do 100% of what God tells us to do. All right. <clears throat> Blind Bartimaeus, 1954. We'll read this and, and we'll stop right here, I think. I think. The Shunammite woman went to Elijah and Elijah took the staff and sent it to Gehazi and said, lay it upon the child. Now, Elijah knew that whatever he touched, when he had the anointing of the Spirit on him, that it was blessed. And I think that's what Paul did, and that's what the people saw. It wasn't Paul. It was the God on Paul and just a token or a symbol of faith. In other words, the clothes that Paul wore. You see, so they taken from his body handkerchiefs and aprons. That's where I think we got this right here from. Brother Branham was talking about prayer cloths way before that we knew anything about ourselves. Right? He would cut up prayer cloths and send them for free. That's what the IRS was telling him. He said, you getting paid for these? He said, don't charge a dime. He said, what is these, what do you call it, trinkets or something? They said, this. what is this thing you're sending out in the mail? And he took them back to the scripture. Acts 19 said they took, they took cloths off of Paul and they sent them out, prayed over them, sent them out, and evil spirits left. Now, the evil spirits didn't leave because of this cloth. It was the power of prayer before the cloth. It was the virtue of knowing that somebody earnestly prayed that these things work. It's not a hocus pocus. It works. It's what God told us to do. Right? And diseases went from the people. What is that? What would you imagine the people? Some people touched the garment of Jesus and was made well. Others smacked him in the face and hit him in the head with sticks and spit on him. Never felt any virtue at all. It was their attitude of approach. It depends on what attitude you come in. Not the preacher. Not your neighbor. It's what attitude you come in. 
If you come believing that you're coming to get help and you're confident that you're coming to the right person, Jesus Christ, and you're coming his provided way of approach, you're going to receive something if you come reverently. If you come, well, I'll just go touch and see if it helps me. That's not what that woman says. She said, if I could but touch the hem of his garment, I'll be made well. You know what? That was her, that was her voice saying, I have got faith in what that man is. Same way with me and you. Sister Hattie Wright didn't have a penny, two nickels to rub together. Had two sons that were out in the world doing worldly things. She said, that ain't nothing. Brother Brown, that ain't nothing but the truth. He said, sister, God's pleased with that. You ask anything you want. He said she could have had fortune beyond fortune. There's a sister, sister Edith, her sister was sitting there in a wheelchair. He said, but she asked what she's supposed to ask for. Something eternal. The salvation of my two sons. And from the virtue that was in what? In what Brother Brown said, but it was a virtue in what she said. She said, Brother Brown, that ain't nothing but the truth. And God said, hey, honor that. Hello, somebody. God said, honor that. My prophet, give her what she wants. Just like the brass serpent. While the serpent didn't have no virtue in it, it was a piece of brass. This is the cloth. They brought it out of Egypt. Neither did the pole have any virtue in it, not a bit. But it was obeying what God said do what brought the power. What brought the virtue is obedience to the word of God. <clears throat> Brother Ram says, look, we're not building an organization, statue of perfect man. I'm not here this morning to build an organization. Christ never sent me to build an organization. Christ sent me to build individuals to the stature of Jesus Christ that they might be the powerhouse. Not the jelly bag. The powerhouse. And the dwelling place of the Spirit by his own word. By his word, see, build up the individual to that place. Not build an organization to a greater denomination. But build the individual to sons and daughters of God. That's the idea, see. Add to your faith virtue. To your virtue, add knowledge. Well, now we're coming to a place. Let me read this real quick, and then we'll start back over Sunday. Luke 6, verse 19. I read it before. The whole multitude sought to touch him, and there went virtue out of him and healed them all. Then we hear that the woman said, what? Somebody touched me. I perceive that virtue, what that is strength. The Greek word is dunamis. Just like when Jesus spoke the day he left this earth, he said, go to Jerusalem and you shall receive power from on high. That same word power is the same word virtue is the same word that means dunamis or power, mighty work, strength, ability, inherit power. Power for performing miracles, moral power and excellence of soul. I'm going to skip over and read down to the very bottom because I want to get to this and then we'll back up. Don't look at that. It'll make you sick. All right, right here. I pulled these out the other night and I thought, man, look at this. Ruth 3 verse 11. And now, my daughter, fear not. Now, this is Boaz talking to Ruth. Everybody with me? Just for a second. Then musicians, get ready to come on. And now, my daughter, fear not. I will do to thee all that thou requirest. What? She had said, hey, I need you to, 
I need you to do the right of a kinsman. I need you to get the property of of my mother-in-law back. And Boaz was the only one that could do it. For all the city of my people. Now look, Ruth is a Moabite, an outscour. The whole country of Moab was started by incest between Lot and his two daughters. Brother Brown said a hair and a biscuit. Kind of a gaggy thing. That's illegal now. But that started Moab. She comes out of She's a Moabite. She's not of the house of Israel. She has no inheritance, but she married a Jew. She married a Jew. Husband died. You know the story. Her father-in-law died. So there's nobody but Naomi and Ruth. And Naomi had some property because, remember, the first thing happened was is they took them down out of the country because the famine was great. So now they're back. Well, now they're back. The husbands have died. So as as part of the right of redemption, somebody's got to claim that land. Everybody with me? So they moved back in, and here Naomi, they got this little one-room apartment, maybe, as we say now, one-room apartment. And Naomi, everybody knows who she is because she's from there. But Ruth, they don't have no clue. But the first thing Ruth does is it says, hey, hey, mama, hey, mother-in-law. How many of y'all would do that? Hey, mother-in-law. Just saying. Yeah, yeah, Louise, tell them, Louise. Yeah. Hey, mother-in-law, what do I need to do? How can I help you? What a wonderful attitude. Just an attitude. She wasn't a born-again believer. She wasn't in the message of the hour. But she was truthful to her mother-in-law. She said, hey, your husband's dead. My husband's dead. We're in a bad way here. I know there's some property over here that will help you survive because you're an older lady. I might can find me another husband. But you can't. You're old. So what can I do to help you? So what does she do? She says, okay, go out to this field. This short story, go out to this field. That's my cousin or that's my my brother or something. They were kinfolks, right? Boaz and her were kin to each other or the husband of. And that property had to be redeemed back to somebody. We know the right of redemption. That would be Boaz. But remember, Naomi's not the one that instigates this whole thing. She's behind the scene. She's Jerusalem. She's the Jews. And she's behind the scene. And she's orchestrating. She said, hey, go out to that field out there. And just just kind of pick up. We got to eat. Just kind of pick up some stuff. Make sure you do it in Boaz's field. Pick up some stuff. Well, guess what? Everybody's got their eye on this new girl. Come on, somebody. Everybody, she's strange. She probably wasn't dark-skinned or dark-haired like all the Jews. She probably come from Moabite, and she was probably blonde-headed and real thin-skinned, and she looked totally different because she wasn't of this group that's here. She was totally out of their tribe. So everybody's looking because, remember, Boaz had to tell them, say, look, don't touch her. You put hands full of purpose out there, but you leave her alone. Whatever she needs, you give it to her. But watch what he says right here. For all the city of my people doth know that thou art a virtuous woman. How did they know that? How did they know that? There was no book, no history behind Ruth. Naomi didn't get out in the street and say, Hey, you need to come see Ruth. She's a real nice girl. 
They saw it in her. They saw it in Ruth. They saw it in her obedience. They saw it in what she needed to do to get her mother-in-law. Hey, that's what we're doing. Ruth is a type of us. We're trying our best to get Boaz here so that he can give the baby to the Jews so he can give the Holy Ghost to the 144,000. We're holding the whole thing up. But that's all right. For that, my city, my neighbors, the whole town doth know that thou art a virtuous woman. And listen, you say, well, that doesn't mean anything. Yeah, it means power. Sisters, brothers, we always talk about sisters here again. Sisters and brothers, if you keep yourself and you're a virgin, that's power. That is power. That is control over yourself. So to me, virtue is power. But virtue is mean that you live a virgin life. Aren't we supposed to be virgin, live virgin life? Aren't we supposed to be the virtuous, sinless bride of Jesus Christ? We're the woman, Proverbs 12, verse 4. A virtuous woman is a crown to her husband, but she that maketh ashamed is his rottenness in his bones. See, we are the crown of Jesus Christ. Not the denominations, not, the, not this old sinful world, because you know what? They could be his bride. They're women. Those other churches are women. They're even though they're harlots, they're women. And they could become a virtuous woman by accepting the message of the hour. But they won't do it, so it's become rottenness in his bone. But a virtuous woman is a crown to her husband. So virtue is strength. Listen to this right here. Virtue always it always means righteous and just. So if you'll take the word virtue in the Bible and you'll run it through um Strong's, it comes up with all the, remember it says these scriptures are used, the same meaning. Righteous and just all the way through the Bible means virtuous, means virtue. A virtuous person exhibits the joint excellence of reason and character. You got to have both. The virtuous person not only knows what the good thing to do is, he or she is also emotionally attached to it. I like that. He or she is emotionally, not just that I'm virtuous. No, I'm proud that I'm virtuous. I'm proud that I'm a virgin to Christ. That gives me what? Power. That gives me strength. What? To beat the devil up with. Let's stand to our feet. God bless you. Come on, son. Come on. We'll read the rest of this later on. But I like that. The virtuous person not only knows what the good thing to do is, but he or she also is emotionally attached to that. And when you're emotionally attached to something, isn't it much better? Don't you get a lot more out of something if you're emotionally attached to it? Them people at them ball games, they are emotionally attached to what they do. And you know what? They get what out of it, what they take. Now, most of them get a big headache the next day, but we get God. The virtuous bride of Jesus Christ. So virtue does mean power. It means strength. But it also means that if you live a virgin life, you have power and you have strength. And even if you like Ruth, husband's dead, 
Even Naomi says, uh, honey, if you'll wait long enough, I'll try to find a husband and I'll try to have a kid so I can have a son. Because, you know, that was the rite of, of passage was if, if um, say, if I died in the old times, my brother would have to take my wife and go into her to have a son. And then they would name it after this, after me to keep the lineage going. Everybody knows that in the Bible. Uh, you're looking at me like I'm strange, but it's not. It's true. Right? But what happened was is God made sure she had to go to Boaz. There was nothing left. Remember, because if, 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 if what was it, Chilon and Malon, Ruth and, and Orpha, if Orpha's husband had lived, she'd have had to went in with him to have a kid. God made sure this story goes right. It don't matter what. He took all of them out of the way. He killed them old people, all, all them old demons that we got. And he made us turn and look in Boaz's field because we had no other hope. We had no other help. Sure, there was one more kin, but he didn't want nothing to do with us, the poor old devil. But there was one, Ruth said, man. And when Boaz saw Ruth, he knew she was a virtuous woman by what she had done. Just in the small amount of time she had been in the city. Same way with you, brothers and sisters. I want the world to see you're different. Not a different doctrine. Without opening our mouth, we should have a testimony of the way we live and the way we do. Let's sing a song. God bless you. We love you with the love of the Lord. Remember Wednesday night, Brother Bob. Next Sunday will be one service here, and then we're going to um, Hidden Acres to have our Christmas dinner. Let's sing a song. Bible days, her last meal almost gone. But God sent Elijah to make his word known. He said, Woman, don't you worry, for God sent me today. And before you even asked him, help was on the way. Just hold on a little longer, help is on the way. A brighter day is coming. To those who believe and pray, but help won't help tomorrow if you give up today. Just hold on a little longer. You think no one is listening. You think no one is listening. You think no one is me, Poor old man, all by myself. Nobody never went through that but me. No, that's not true. Trust him and obey. And keep your eyes toward the heavens. Why? Because help 
Father loved him best. His call. 